gentlemen, Scarlet Overkill! Have any of you ever dreamt of working for the greatest supervillain of all time? These are the new recruits. No, no, don't say anything. I won't understand. I'm a villain, a winner, woman that's in the winners. Do you know who this is? This is Queen Elizabeth. And I really, really, really want her crown. You came for the Queen's crown, did you? Well, you're gonna have to get through me. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everybody and welcome to Bina 007 Movie Reviews where today we're going to have a chat about the latest Minions movie which has been out for a month in the UK and just got released in the US and today I am not alone but I am joined by two guests from Vassals of Kingsgrave which is an amazing geeky podcast and you can find it at vokpodcast.wordpress.com So first up I have Amber Hi guys, this is Amber otherwise known as Queen of the Desert Island and we also have Nadine Hello So I should explain that Amber is here because she just saw the movie last night and Nadine's here as an expert on all things Minion (laughs) (laughs) And mostly comedy relief Exactly Um, So how would you rate the movie um, Amber, given that you saw it last night it's probably fresher in your memory I loved it I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It made me so happy. I loved it. Me too. I, I was just thinking <laughs> this is like the cleverest, funniest, cutest, most wonderfulest oh, movie. Adorable. How do you rate it compared to the Despicable Me's? Um, I think maybe. I don't know. I think each is for a little bit of a different mood. This was kind of fun to. It almost felt like a. This is really silly, but it kind of felt like a foreign film without subtitles. <laughs> like you could kind of get the gist of what was happening, but I enjoyed not having to think about like dialogue and um, it was just so easy to just sit back and laugh. Um, and I didn't feel like the the big bad and the actual plot was as uh, serious as Despicable Me. So it was just a little more easy and fun, but I like them both. And Nadine, you haven't seen it yet, but yeah, you... I'm actually quite surprised that you know that people like it because it's not often that you have sort of and and let's face it, in Despicable Me, they were never meant to be sort of main characters. They were like you know comedy relief for mm-hmm. the film. They were secondary characters, and it's not really common to hear that secondary characters, when they actually move into their own franchise, actually do really well. It's just that you know they are. The embodiment of, I, I would say, they're, because they're meant to be responsible because, let's face it, they run Gru Industries. But at the same <laughs> time, they're completely and utterly, you know, and, and and I'm not saying stupid, but it's almost like they've got this sort of very, it's not quite nonsensical, but it, it, it is. It, but it's, it's also this sort of unwillingness to grow up. You know, they're just silly, you know, and it's just, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. Uh, I'm going to be an adult, but I'm going to act like a kid. I'm going to act like a six-year-old. Yeah, they have this childlike energy, don't they? And this childlike joy at things. Like, oh, banana, exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I think that's maybe what's what's lovable about them is they remind us of what it's like to just have pure joy at stuff and not second guess or think of consequences. They're just, it's there, isn't it? They live in the now. Yeah, they live in the now. 
they're fairly inept um <laughs> but but they have so much heart and good intentions that it's like it, they kind of win out in the end i was trying to think out in the despicable movies did they have much screen time or were they just really cameos i think more in the second one yeah, they did out most sort of, I mean, some of the best scenes were the ones where Gru, uh, where they were sort of interacting with Gru or they were interacting with the girls. But, yeah. you know, obviously not having not seen this movie now, it's 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 difficult to compare. But yeah, they, they almost did seem like little cameo moments. It, it was it's interesting like the... to me trying to get the artwork for the, the online review of the film that I did and looking up the old ones. And it was interesting to me that when you move from Despicable Me to the second movie, actually a lot of the posters just had the minions on them. So it was almost like the studio realized that the true breakout stars were the minions anyway. Well, and I remember, forgive me if it was one of you that said it, but I heard somewhere someone saying that, you know, they were pretty skeptical that because they were supposed to be this little sweet comic relief, you know, can you take that and put it into 90 minutes of movie and not have it get old? And so I was thinking of that as I went in and I just absolutely laughed through the whole thing. I thought they really carried it without being too much. I agree. And I think it's, um, it's, it's actually, is this like the only spin-off movie that's successful? I was trying to really think of other <laughs> spin-off comedy movies where it's lived up to or surpassed its pre predecessor originator film and I think this is probably the best one it's probably worth laying out a little bit of the plot so instead of I guess what's successful about it is you kind of it's a prequel so you kind of start off on the opening credits with the sort of the natural history of the minions I guess which is them <laughs> as a little amoeba floating around and sort of latching onto bigger and bigger big bad sharks and finally they get on land and they sort of latch onto dinosaurs and then men come and so you kind of get this like really hilarious satire on history with them you know being minions which is trying to help but being inept and then they end up in this like icy cave and they kind of craft their own civilization and then I guess the plot begins in the 60s 70s where they decide that three or one of them decides that he's going to go off and find a, a new big bad for them to sort of serve and be henchmen to. And so apparently, I didn't realize this until I read some like wiser reviews, the three minions are three heroes are meant to be um, Stuart, Kevin and Bob are meant to be like the three daughters of Gru. Did you get that? Oh. Like physically and personality wise, they're meant to be mirrors to the, the girls. Not at all. But now that you say it, you totally yeah. see it. Yeah, I have no idea. Huh. Did you get it physically, Nadine, from the post? Because I just totally didn't get that at all. But that means me. no, I didn't. I didn't get it until you said it. But now that you think, now that when you think about it, sort of knowing this in hindsight, it yeah, it does actually make a whole lot of sense because there is like... the there is the bossy one, there is the the sort of slightly silly, cute one, and mm -hmm. there's the sort of. Oh, what's uh, what was the other? Because I remember the other, the other daughter didn't seem to have much of a personality. <laughs> no discernible qualities, eh? <laughs> and that's like kind of like I know. <laughs> um, sorry, VOK guys' night out <laughs> in Jake. There, um, yeah, and I so I wonder if it works at a subconscious level that because you're familiar with those three characters and then you see them sort of referenced as minions, you kind of latch onto it, or whether there's just a certain chemistry that works. But I do find it amazing that they're so well delineated. Sorry, Amber. Oh, no, sorry. I'm just saying, I'm just amazed now that you say it, that I didn't recognize that. But mm. 
But I do think it's... I didn't realise also that it's it's the one guy, the co-director, who voices all the minions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess he knows the language then. He must be the only person who knows the language. <laughs> but I think it's amazing, like, because they, they do have proper characters. And I guess that's what makes, to me, makes the movie work, that they are characters, even though they're talking gibberish and that's just silliness. Um well, it's, it's it's like silent films, you know, there, there was no dialogue, but you could still follow the story. And, and, you know, for speaking a gibberish language, they still managed to say a lot. Mm. And actually, to me, part of the fun is picking out the words when they use like um, the occasional word or the occasional foreign phrase. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. You know, there well, is my, some my, logic. My husband <laughs> leans over and he's like, they're speaking Spanish. <laughs> I was like, and also Italian. And Latin, so cute. I wonder if that's part of the the charm is that, you know, no matter what language you speak, you'll always find some one word that you know. Yeah, so there are audiences in sort of Mexico and Russia going, oh, they said, they said that phrase. Yeah, maybe it's just like really, really cunning marketing. But it is cute. And I think it's kind of interesting that at the start, um, they have um, a narration by Jeffrey Rush, which is really funny. And that kind of um, reduces as the film goes on. So I think it's quite clever that in case you're sort of slightly freaking out or kids aren't getting it, they have the narration. And once you get kind of comfortable and back in that minion speak, they sort of phase it out. Well, and I kind of wondered if they would do a thing where as the film progressed, if we would kind of understand them a little bit more. And I I had hoped that they didn't do that and and they didn't really, but you still, it was still very clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely works. And I, ugh, it's just brilliant. I think it's genius. So basically, you have these minions. They turn up in the USA. And they, they're they journeying to VillainCon, which is a satire on Comic-Con. <laughs> complete with all like, Hall Very H. Very timely. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they, they fall into the service of Scarlet Overkill, Sandra Bullock. So I, I have a lot of respect for Little Miss Goody Two-Shoes playing a villain. What did you think of her? Because there's no Gru, right? So, you know, Steve Carell, I guess, is the big star of Despicable Me's. How did Sandra Bullock fill the hole, I guess? I thought she did fine. Um, you know, it was kind of one way or another. I didn't really care for the character. Like, that was my least, the least engaging bit for me was whenever she was on the screen. And John Hamm as well, because, I mean, he's amazing and wonderful. But they were a little bit underwhelming. Maybe it was because the minions made me so happy um, and that I could have just watched them without the big plot and the big bad. But I'd, I don't know what it was exactly, but I was just kind of like, eh, you know, she didn't seem you got her motivation and why she was evil and what her plan was and why she had this hole in her heart that she needed to fill. But it was just kind of I think she wasn't quite likable enough as a villain to be engaging. Do you think she wasn't evil enough or just just not that's, memorable That's part of enough? the problem with some uh with because you've either with a villain you've either got to go one of two ways. You've either got the be the anti-villain, so you are technically bad, but you know, there are underlying motivations which people go, "Oh yeah, if I went through that, I'd probably mm-hmm. go to I'd probably turn to evil as well." Or <laughs> they are so almost caricaturally evil that you know it's so bad they're good kind of scenario and if you try to kind of be sort of too much in the middle it doesn't really work either way 
you think it's just because we can't believe Sandra Bullock as a villain, or do you think it's just the writing wasn't strong enough? Bit of well, I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known if it was Sandra Bullock. If you know, like, I don't think I didn't feel like her personality or anything really leaked too much into the character. I just thought they were trying to go for kind of a like almost Joker-like, where she's like so insane and over the top evil that that it makes for a charismatic character, and I just wasn't... Wasn't buying uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of... I, I think in retrospect, it's weird. Like, I I didn't sort of notice it as much at the time, but I just realised that I have really no memory of her and that character <laughs> in this film because I just have so many cool little scenes playing of minions doing crazy, crazy shit. So, mm-hmm. um, so for Nadine's benefit, they end up basically going to England and... Um, in some bizarre twist of fate, one of them becomes king of England. <laughs> <laughs> the the little one, the cute, adorable king Bob. one. <laughs> and there is the Queen of England does play a role. She's voiced by Jennifer Saunders, who I thought was really funny. Um, so yeah, it was quite fun being English and seeing like this whole sort of Buckingham Palace sort of military cu- and some of like the the lines around. Oh well, now you must be king. Uh, technically, you know, that kind of stuff was quite funny. Like at the like poking fun at the bureaucracy and and sort of old ways of England. I thought it was quite funny. Um, let, let's not spoil it but how how did you find the plot there did you like all that English stuff or did you think it was just hokey me yeah because I thought it. it was adorable I thought it was fun um I also was thinking oh I wonder what uh what Bina and Nadine are gonna like if are they gonna recognize stuff like how accurate was it um the the the, sort of, if... the architecture of Buckingham Palace and like the the London scenery is really spookily kind of it's just really high quality and well researched I think hmm. and similarly like all the 60s stuff and the way they use 60s music is just really oh, witty so and really great well, um, some of the best comedy stuff is, is is when you look at it and you go I know it's, it's, I know that person I've been in that situation um, I've seen that happen you know th- that's the best comedy yeah so there's, when, there's a definite familiarity but I think it's like some of the best parts for me just play like music videos with kind of cheesy 60s tunes and mm-hmm. like you say it's the it's the visual humor of the minions the facial expressions it's just well in the scene not to it's not a spoiler but the the uh, little musical number from a certain uh, uh musical mm-hmm. <laughs> just made me so happy i was like am i the only one in this whole room that knows this song this is so great yeah. like it was very um kind of out of left field it was super fun the the wide array of of uh just kind of you know cultural touch points indeed fabulous yeah and actually that's what i quite like because at the end of the day this is a shameless cash and movie this is a big franchise big studio and they've got this unexpected hit and they've done this spin-off to get even more money in so it could have Mm -hmm. felt a little bit forced and not and sort of um machine made but these kind of like little gonzo moments where it's like, what? Where did that come from? Just, just It makes me happy that they still allowed the filmmakers that room to be creative and crazy and a bit weird. So, yeah, I think that's the secret of films like this. They don't feel too manipulative or franchising. Mm-hmm. You do have to wonder if it was just lightning in a bottle where, you know, it was literally just that perfect storm of... The, uh, an idea that you know was just so universal 
that it didn't seem forced, but at the same time, because of that universality, everybody was willing to pay to go and see it. Yeah, and we need some good slapstick comedy, right? Don't we? You know, we've had you know in in the manner of the the Three Stooges or the Marx Brothers. I think it's been a long time we've been waiting for some good physical comedy. So I, I, it's funny that you say that because they do remind me of um, the Three Stooges. That the the, the three of them, they all um, that just that sort of playing off of each other. It's not one is funny. It's they are funny as a group. Mm-hmm. Well, if you said, did you hear the box office? It, it's number one at the box office and it hmm. took a hundred. Let me just see. According to IMDb Pro, it took 115 million at the box office this weekend um, compared to Jurassic Park with 18 million inside nice. out 17, Terminator at 14. Terminator's really not done as well as people thought. Yeah, I was really surprised at how. Un- well, we usually go on opening night, which is like a Thursday. So we. It's rare that we go to a Saturday night movie, so maybe that was it. But I was su- surprised at how packed the theater was. It's taken over two hundred million internationally. Apparently, um, it's the second biggest animated opening ever after Shrek the Third at one hundred twenty-one million, and Toy Story <laughs> three only got a hundred only got a hundred and ten. So uh, yeah, only. I think I that. think this is definitely <laughs> a breakout hit, which I guess means there will be another Minions movie coming our way. I would watch it. But what would you do? Because they kind of take it up to the point where Gru's a little kid. So they squeeze in another middle movie between. I think that's the probably the one that'll feel forced. What the squeeze, squeezing squeeze in the middle it. one? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Or I suppose they could, you know, take it after Despicable Me somehow and have Gru just kind of be a little more of a background character, just kind of flip flop. You know, so that they're in the foreground a little more. But yeah, it might be a little tricky. Yeah, I wonder how Steve Carell really feels about it. <laughs> <laughs> they stole his limelight. And then I was thinking as as a studio, it's really cheap to make, isn't it? Because you don't have to pay for Steve Carell. I mean, I guess you have to have a baddie, though. But it's basically quite cheap. Because um, you just got the director to do everything. Is there anything else we want to say about Minions? Anything good, bad, ugly? Uh, can't wait to see it. Yeah, Make sure should... to stay for the ending credit scene. Oh, really? What happens? Shit, I didn't do that. For goodness sake, Bina. <laughs> <laughs> You've um, been to they're... enough Marvel films to know Wait, now no. is the, st- we, the standard is that after the, fi- the final credits roll, there is always a 30 second, thir- something like 18 to 30 second clip right at the end. But this well, isn't this one Marvel. Was, uh, um, this one was a good, it, it was a full on musical number with all the characters. Okay. It was amazing. I'll have to go into um, YouTube and find it. Yes. And and actually which so you don't know you don't run pee then? <laughs> I'll get on my run pee soapbox. Have you heard of run pee? It's awesome. No, no, no. What is what is this thing um, you speak of? So run pee is an app which I'm not really an app girl, but um it basically they actually get they have people from all over the world, I guess they got their info from some girl in Australia, but they go and see the movie the first moment it opens. And then they, they break down, they not only do reviews, but the main thing is they, Oh, run pee as in go use the bathroom. Yes. I just Googled They tell you, they tell you, okay, they'll give you like multiple times at 36 minutes. This is the best time you, when this character says this line, then you can go run pee for four minutes 
It'll give you a a synopsis of what happened while you were gone. This is like the most useful thing ever invented. It's amazing. It tells you if you're running late, what happens in the first three minutes. There's a little check mark, yes or no, whether there are credits at the ending scenes. And not only do they tell you if there's after credit scenes, but they say, okay, the credits run for four, you know, for seven minutes. And then there's a 30 second scene at the end of that. Or okay, no, listeners, this nothing. is runpe, R-U-N-P-E-E dot com. Brilliant. Genius. Yes. <laughs> and it does have, a like the screen is black. So theoretically you could use it during the movie. I don't do that because I know some people get real upset. Me. But <laughs> it does have a timer where you can like put your phone in your pocket to buzz at, at certain times. But I just kind of remember, okay, roughly 36 minutes. And I remember what the cue is. And then I do that that way. So how do they, so this is basically volunteers sending the information. Yeah, I think it's some guy and his wife. And usually, (laughs) usually they go see it first. But sometimes if there's, you know, if there's an early release in another country, then they'll have, you know, a fan send in the info. That's brilliant. Well, there you go. I love it. That's added to my, uh, my world knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to help. So there you go. Um, in the spirit of keeping things short and sharp, as is the Bina 007 way, um, unless there's anything anyone else wants to say about the Minions, we can close it out. Um, thank you for listening. The movie has a runtime of 91 minutes and is rated PG. Cool. Thank you for joining, Amber and Dean. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs>